Welcome to Inside the War Room. Right right here, as always, today's guest is Pablo Trincina, and his book is All the Lies They Did Not Tell, The True Story of Satanic Panic in an Italian Community. And this is just an absolute stunner of a story. Read the book as well. We don't get into nearly enough of it in the podcast. Um, and speaking of books, we're giving away in the lines then a copy at the end of October. So go to warroommedia.com and sign up there for the free account. All you have to do. Without further ado, let's get to Pablo. Pablo, welcome to the War Room. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the title of the book, as I mentioned in the beginning, All the Lies They Did Not Tell, The True Story of Satanic Panic in an Italian Community. That's a mouthful, and it says a lot. Like, what, like give us the genesis of this story. Okay, uh, well, I mean, this story is set in, basically happens in, within two years, 1997 and 1998. Uh, in a in a in central Italy, central northern Italy, uh, in a very flat area, it, it it might you might say it's our Kansas. Uh, you know, you have um, this flat land all around you. You only have fields. You don't have any hills. It's just very flat and foggy. Uh, and uh, basically, what happens in 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 1997 is that you have um, a little boy uh, who was brought up in a family in a very poor family in the countryside a, a boy I called uh, Dario uh, who um, you know his family gets kicked out because they the, the father didn't pay the rent the father was basically a, 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 a you know, spending all the money, the, the, the little money that he earned on, uh, you know, in the casino or gambling. And the family had no money, so they get kicked out. So this little boy who's already brought up in a, in a family, but with very, very poor, incredibly poor, uh, gets sent by his father to a neighbor. You have to imagine a lady, which you would have in, in any American neighborhood, you know, nice lady, uh, who takes, who has a, a family of her own, and who really cares about this little child and wants to take care of him as, as you know, one of one of her sons. So, this boy gets sent there uh, by uh, to this lady, to this neighbor called Odina, and uh, this Odina uh, keeps the, the the boy for a few months because the the family of this little boy doesn't have a house, doesn't have a home anymore. So they they live. In a trailer, they live in, in. They sleep in the car. They don't have anywhere to go. So in the meantime, the boy stays at this lady's house. The problem is that in that period of time, that time, uh, the uh, social uh, uh, services, do you call them like that? Uh, the yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, the social services have already targeted the boy and have decided that he has to go. He has to go from that family. He has to go from that neighbor. And he has to be sent into uh, an institution, into a city nearby. So after a few months, this little boy, who at the time is only three years old, uh, this is 93, okay? So the boy is, is three years old, we're in 1993. This boy gets sent to an institution and afterwards to a foster family. Now, this is what 
changes everything. Because as you can imagine, uh, when somebody is, you know, when, when a child who has natural, who has his own parents, uh, gets sent to a foster family, obviously, you know, they don't really necessarily like each other that much because, you know, they might be a little bit jealous. You know, the other family has more, the other family has less. They treat you well, they treat you bad. I mean, it's, you know, those things that can happen. But at some point, the foster mother of this little boy called Dario in 1997 starts thinking that he has been abused by his brother, by his, his, uh, uh, his older brother. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Let me, yeah, let me make sure I'm following along here. So the boy is separated from his family by choice and sent to this lady who's taking good care of him. There's no suspicion there. But this social services, uh, the Italian version of that, decides that he needs to be placed in a foster home. And exactly. When he's placed exactly. in a foster home, there's yes. suspicion brought up about when he was with his parents originally that maybe something happened. Is that correct? No. Well, I mean, they sent him to a foster home because they wanted to try and send him to a family where he would have a better um, future. So they said, okay, we send you to a foster family. You will still have your parents. Uh, it will be like you will spend there some time and then eventually we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll send you back to your original family uh, or, or, or else, you know, th th there was no real program, but he gets sent to this foster family. The problem is that the mother, the foster mother is a lady who apparently is really, uh, I should say, paranoid about everything. Uh, we found out about that years later when we investigated on her. So she was really paranoid. And everything this boy uh, said or did, she saw it in a um, negative, uh, with a negative aura. Okay, so the boy, Dario, would, you know, he, he would go back to his uh, natural, do you say natural family? No, sorry, um, original family. Yeah, yeah, natural, original, yeah. Yeah, he would go back every two weekends to see his parents his original parents, his original family. And, um, and then most of the time he would stay with the foster family. Now, this mother, this lady, starts thinking at some point that this boy Dario has been somehow abused, sexually abused by his brother, by his natural brother. And she gets that from a few sentences that this boy says. The boy was six at the time at this point. Uh, like, you know, my brother plays with my sister and they play under the blankets and I got scared. So she reinterprets these words as if, you know, probably she, they did something to him. So she starts asking him a lot of questions. Why are you sad? Why do you look tired? What happens over there? You have to tell me. And she starts you know, really pressing this little boy, asking him a lot of questions. And all, not just that, she uh, calls a very young psychologist who at the time was working. She had just finished her graduation and uh, she had enrolled with the social services in this little town. And uh, she asks this um, psychologist to, uh, you know, uh, meet this little boy and talk to him. And after uh, a few meetings, it comes out that this boy, you know, has been abused. He talks about being sexually abused by his brother and then by his father and then by his sister and by the mother. And it wasn't just his family, but also the neighbors and the father 
his father was selling him to the neighbors and he saw an exchange of money and uh, the, the neighbor, the, the lady neighbor was very nasty to him. And then there were other people involved. And he starts making, naming names of people, but you know, they're just um, first person, um, they're not surnames. They're just, uh, you know, regular names. So, you know, the police gets involved and they try to figure out who, who is who, you know, they try to identify these people. And at some point, you know, as he gets more and more pressure, this boy talks about being sent to, with a family, by his family to the cemetery at night, where he witnesses um, weird rituals. He doesn't talk about nothing, you know, crazy, but he talks about being buried in a, in a, um, in a, in a, in a grave and, uh, you know, he can hear the other people laughing and there is dead people. Uh, which of course is crazy, but it's not as crazy as it will get in a bit, in a little bit. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's only getting more crazy. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so this little boy basically starts talking and the police start drawing a map of people whom, who might actually fit the descriptions and the names that he gives. So, Suppose he, he says, you know, okay, I was at the cemetery and who, who else was there? Well, you know, John and Helen. Okay, so who's John and Helen? Okay, I don't know. What, what's her surname? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's see who is called, who's, who's got that name, you know, John and Helen. And let's find out, maybe we know something about these people. So they start matching uh, completely arbitrarily uh, names with uh, with uh, with actual with real people who don't don't just belong to that village where this boy is from, but to other towns nearby, even uh, ten miles away, which in the countryside is a pretty long distance, 10, 12 miles away. It's not like you know, it's not like I have to necessarily know you. If we live in the same village, yes, I might know who you are because we were brought up in the same village. But if you live in a, in a village which is 12 miles away, why should I necessarily know who you are? So they start basically connecting the dots and more and more people get, get uh, a visit by the police. Uh, so there is, an, there is a family of, of, of four uh, this 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 Italian guy married to a Thai lady. They have two children. They get uh, taken away. There is a lady, a single lady with a daughter. Uh, her daughter gets taken away in the middle of the night. So they basically just go there in the middle of the night. They snatch their children, and the police snatches their children and they leave. Okay. Which hold, hold on, yeah. hold on. Let me make sure because you're you're okay. So. Dario ends up in a foster care. This yes. spurs an investigation that starts off with perhaps his brother might have, there been, might have been some kind of inappropriate contact that yeah. devolves or evolves, however you want to look at it, into father, uncle, and, and, and all sorts of people being sold as a sex slave, more or less. <clears throat> He's witnessing some sort of weird cemetery, maybe satanic rituals. Um, this leads police to asking names. And so they're like, hey, who was there? And he says, Ryan. Well, there's a bunch of Ryans, but he just says Ryan, not Ryan Ray. Um, exactly. And to your point, you know, I live in a pretty rural area. 
you know, I don't know my neighbors three streets over, much less some random house 10 miles away um, in the country where I live. And so they find a local Ryan and assume that, A, this boy who was how old during these, not when he's telling the story, but at the time the events happened, how old would the boy have been? Uh, he was six. Yeah, so he'd been six when this happened to him. So you're taking a boy who's six and saying a first name, and now we're going and we're now we're taking children from their home in the middle of the night. The police are. Is that is did I get all that right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And, and don't forget, is, don't forget, don't yeah. forget, because this is a very important character. Uh, a young psychologist called Valeria Donati uh, is actually um, seeing all these uh, little uh, boys and girls who are gradually being taken away. So mm-hmm. they send these children to her. So basically at age 28, which is really young for mm-hmm. a psychologist, for any professional, because you know, mm-hmm. you're not like 40 plus or 50 plus, you're like 28. Mm-hmm. You just came out of college, you know, right. you did your whatever um, certification and, and, you know, you've been working for a year maybe. And you never worked on sexual abuses, by the way. Uh, So they get sent to this psychologist, um, which is really, again, weird because they could have chosen many other people, but they, they send her to, they send them to, to these psychologists. And And it's like, is a psychologist using repression memory? uh, Is it repression therapy is that what they're using well this is a big theme because not i mean we have no idea about what she did mm-hmm. we do now because i found people who had gone through her sessions her her psychology psychology sessions and you know they witnessed what she said mm-hmm. but you know whatever she did she never recorded anything she never wrote uh, wrote down any any memories or if she did, we've never seen them. So uh, we don't know what actually happened in her room. There is no way to know. And, okay. you know, so I don't, I don't think she was using, I mean, she might have used um, uh, these, uh, how do you call it, repressed memories, mm-hmm. um, techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, a, a, lay, a girl who now, who today is 30 plus, told us that she would obviously, uh, you know, um, influence them all the time. And instead of asking questions, she would investigate, which is certainly not a job of a psychologist. A psychologist is supposed to see how you are and then eventually testify about, you know, how she she found you and what your current uh, situation is and maybe give you some therapy, but not investigate. A -hmm. psychologist should not ask you who was there with you? Um, you have to tell me what happened. What did they do to you? That, that's not your job. That's the police job, mm-hmm. which has to be done with experts who know how to interview children, because that has been a subject, an important subject since the 1970s, especially in the U.S. This is, this is a discipline that was born in the U.S. Um, you have some great scholars in the U.S. who started, you know, uh, working on memory, not just um, you know, children's memory and and uh, and how you interview children, but how in general, how uh, how reliable are some are witnesses, even adult witnesses, mm-hmm. you know? So there has been a lot of literature, a lot of work since the 1970s. So it wasn't something unknown, but still, 
you know, there is a, a group of, uh, I should say, there is an ideological group here of organizations that believe that there is a huge number of pedophiles or satanic sects living all around Italy, all over Italy, all over the world. And they do nasty stuff to, to children and they're very good at hiding mm -hmm. and not being found. And therefore, you know, you should, whenever you have a child who is, you know, there maybe for something else, you know, maybe because he has a learning problem, uh, sometimes they just, you know, they just try and see if, did daddy do anything to you? Did he ever touch you? Did he ever, you know, these kind of weird questions which could lead to misleading answers. Um, right. So anyway, going back well, to the story. The reason I ask is we had on Dr. Elizabeth Loftus. Uh, oh, that's that's the person I was talking about. That's exactly the person I was talking about. Who, who's done the research? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, her, her she's very critical of this repressed memory theory and, and how it can... Uh, give a lot of false signals. So I'll link to that in the show notes for listeners who aren't familiar with this argument and debate. Um, you can go listen to her episode. But but her, I don't have a strong stance on it one way or another until I heard her take on it. It was like, oh, that's, that's quite interesting about how the mind can be manipulated and create false memories and and how scary that could be used to weaponize um, you know organizations against people. And so um, anyways, so didn't mean to yeah. get too much of a sidetrack there, but let's, let's go back to, okay, so the police now are going to people's homes and they're, they're, they're taking their children into custody. Are the parents being notified? Is this just like, is it a raid? Is it a secret covert mission? It's a raid. You're gone? It's a raid. It's a raid. So this is what happens, Ryan. Like suppose, okay, you live in the same village of this little boy. And he says, and actually we will find out years later that he was just naming the names of his new schoolmates in the new town where he was living with the foster wow. family wow. okay we will find out about that years later now uh he starts mentioning all these names and at some point he says ryan and they're like okay who's ryan okay we got we have a ryan actually here in our files and uh he's had some problem with his wife and you know uh, her their daughter has been um taken care of by the social services somehow you know they sent her after school or maybe because she had some issues. So, you know, we have this Ryan in our files. So let's, you know, let's assume it's him. And they start asking the boy questions about you. So now the boy obviously gives very confused answers. He never gives a straight answer. It's all, they're always confused. But at some point they manage to find as little as they can, as, as much as they can to frame you. And in the middle of the night, you get them, you get the police coming, banging at your door uh, at three in the morning, four in the morning. You have two kids and they both get take, they, they both are taken away. None of your kids has ever been questioned about anything you've ever done. It's just based on the suspicion on the words or the names that this little boy has said, you know, during interviews, which were never recorded where you had a paranoid foster, foster mother. I don't use adjectives that much, but you know, we have the proof of this, um, where you, because she even admitted it uh, at the tribunal, where you have you know, a psychologist meeting this little boy for many times. And even the mother was saying, the, the foster mother was saying, I was questioning him every day. I was asking him, tell me, tell me, tell me. 
Now, research uh, has proven that if you press, if you if you apply this sort of pressure to a child, to an adult, let alone to a child, um, you could manipulate uh, his or her mind. Uh, because, you know, it's, a, it's an adult in front of you asking you the same question over and over again, telling you that, you know, some of your memories might be gone because some, somebody might have used drugs on you, mm-hmm. you know, so suggesting mm-hmm. stuff and, uh, and helping you create in your mind a movie uh, which is half true, uh, half true, not in the sense that you were abused, necessarily abused, but, you know, based on the stuff that you've seen, the movies, the ads the stories that you've read uh, or that you've been told, horror stories or whatever, plus fantasies that you create in your mind. And yeah, and then Ryan gets his children taken away and the children go, get sent to foster families. And, uh, and, and there is no way you can see them. There is no way you can meet them. There is no way your parents, so their grandparents can see them can stay with them, can, can say hello to them, can send a gift to them. So your children get completely cut off from you. It's like North Korea, basically. You know, it's like you know, there is no way you can get in touch with them. And if you do, because somebody actually tried to trace them, you will get arrested because you are not allowed to do that. Um. So... Uh, so children start, you know, uh, you know, of course, this story is incredibly long and incredibly complicated, but there has, in, in, in this little town called Modena, uh, which you guys probably know because of Ferrari and maybe you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. vinegar or food or stuff like that. In this little town, in, the, in, the tri- in Modena's tribunal, you have a group of judges, prosecutors, uh, experts, who start believing the same story and whatever the children say, uh, they believe in it. Because in the meantime, Ryan, your children, your, your two children get taken away. They get questioned by their foster mothers who have been selected uh, by somebody at the social services. They are working together with a psychologist. You, they've been taken twice a week to the psychologist. So they meet this, this person every, uh, every three or four days. You, the foster, their foster mother gets told that be careful because when you drive back home, be careful, always look at your rear, your, uh, rear mirror because uh, you might have satanic uh, pedophiles following you. And the children start gradually speaking. After a few months where they don't say a word because you're, you know, nothing happened to your children, so they don't say a word. Then they gradually start, you know, assuming that maybe you were not as good, that maybe you abused them, that maybe you had sex with them, and that your wife was, uh, you know, um, was a witness. She didn't do anything or she encouraged you. Uh, Some stories are really absurd. Or then that you would invite your brothers and sisters over and you would have uh, orgies with uh, the cats being sacrificed, animals being sacrificed. Uh, blood drinking, uh, human sacrifices in the cemeteries. So it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. In, a t- in towns, in villages where, believe me, if anything happened after six or seven o'clock in the evening, somebody would notice because you can't tell me that there were, there are, there were 30 people going at night with kids in the cemeteries and doing uh, beheadings 
and uh, you know satanic rituals in uh, uh, in 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 cemeteries that are surrounded by buildings where other people live. You know, so it gets like I was like, I can't believe this happened, and they believed the children. Like they said, okay, the children are saying the truth, and the only reason why we cannot find any single evidence because no person was uh, missing. There were no reports of any sort, nothing had ever been found, DNA, blood, anything. No witnesses, no eyewitnesses, nothing. So at that point, you know, I think what happened is they knew at some point they realized that it was bullshit because it was too grotesque. It didn't make sense. But, you know, you come to a point where you have separated families. Time has passed because it's probably very different from the US, you know, in the US, the justice system is quicker. In Italy, it takes years. Like one lady, one very Christian Catholic lady who taught, who was the um, kindergarten teacher in, in one village. And she was very, you know, pious lady with four children and a husband and the whole, you know, Catholic, whatever. She gets her children taken away in the middle of the night she will never see them again, and she will be, uh, and you know, uh, the, the the sentence which, uh, which which will basically um, absolve her. Uh, no, um, sorry, um, dis dismiss the case. The case was dismissed mm -hmm. after sixteen years. Wow! So this lady, in the meantime, of course, your children hate you because. Where the hell have you been? Why haven't I seen you? Uh, you know, they were probably told, and we have witnesses who say that, that your mother is a bad person. She's a bad, you know, a wife, a bad mother. And, uh, you know, she, she you, you know, it's dangerous for you to be with her. So your, your kids grow up fearing you, freaking out every time they mention you. And they don't want to see you. They don't want have, they don't want to have anything to do with you ever again because it's so rooted in 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 their story in their psychology that you know today it's pretty hard to say well you know in my i might have just lived in a huge lie and my life should have been different and i shouldn't have lived like that and today to this day many of these ch former children who now are in their 30s still believe that they have killed other children in the cemeteries, still believe that they have committed something. Now, who has put these things in, her mind, in their minds? We know that they all went through the same uh, office of social services in a little town called Mirandola near Modena. So, you know, after passing through those uh, offices, uh, many months later, they all tell the same story. Of course, it's not the same story because if you compare, if you start looking in, in the details, the details are absurd. They just don't match. But let's say, let's say from above, they all say that they were um, brought to the cemeteries and, you know, masked people, murdering kids, killing animals, drinking blood, yada, yada, yada. But then if you, if you ask them, you know, if you, try, if you were trying to match their stories, Nothing would match. You know, uh, some kids were saying, yeah, they brought us to the cemetery. When was that? Oh, after school. What? After school? You mean right. at 4, 5 p.m.? 
You have people taking it to the cemetery. No one sees anything. Ritual abuses with uh, satanic uh, groups, 30 people. What are we talking about? And I've seen these interviews because after passing through this psychologist, they were sent to the judges to confirm what they had just told her. And that's where we found the recordings. And I can tell you, Ryan, that, you know, as these kids were talking about this horrific stuff and were accusing their, their families of these horrific, horrific stuff, sometimes they were like, it, 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 it's scary because it almost looked like they were, of course, they were telling a story. I mean, there was no drama in their, in their voice. There was no, no suffering. It was just like, oh, well, you know what happened today? You know, the same... Uh, you know, the same mood that a kid would have when, when, when they tell you what they've done in school with, with, their, with, with their friends, with the teachers. But still, you know, uh, 16 people at the end uh, are taken away and they basically disappear and the parents don't see them in, anymore. And one mother, the mother, the, the single mother of one of the girls commits suicide. Oh my gosh. She jumps from a window. Uh, and another one is taken away from a mother who hasn't done anything, has never been sentenced, because then some of the sentences are, you know, initially it's very hard to explain, but I explained it in a book. But, you know, uh, uh, some people were sentenced uh, some in the beginning. In the first, there were five trials. Mm -hmm. uh, in the first trials, some, somebody, some people, some parents get sentenced on the you know, again, there, there was no proof whatsoever, never witnessed nothing. And later on, the other people who get involved get acquitted. Because, you know, in first degree, they will all be sentenced. And then in second degree, and third degree, many of them would be just released and, you know, would, back home, would go back home. But their kids would not, uh, would, but nobody would return their, uh, the, the kids to them because they would just go and ask the kids, do you want to go back to mommy? Oh, no, 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 no. She's horrible. Because it's been two, three years. Mm. So, you know, and no one is going to repair that wound. Nobody's going to say, oh, sorry, no, we made a mistake. So that's, you know, what happened. And this is not just a story, an Italian story. This story happened all over the world. You know, you had the satanic panic in the United, in, in the 1980s with, uh, you know, Michelle remembers the Keller case, the McMartin case, so many other cases. And they all look very similar. I mean, either it was, uh, you know, either the target was a um, a kindergarten or, or, you know, one of these schools, or it was, um, it was families. So there are really very, very similar cases all over the world. There's one case in Scotland, which is exactly the same as this one. It's got the same characters. At the center of the sect, the children say there is a priest. Now, the way they understand, the investigators understand it's a priest, is that it's very weird because the little boy, Dario, initially said, you know, there was a doctor. You know, there was a doctor who was the head of this weird satanic group. And they say, what do you mean a doctor? No, it wasn't a doctor. It was um, uh, something else. I can remember another, uh, I think, a judge, something like that. And then, was it a judge? No, it was a priest. Really, what, what was the priest's name? I don't remember. So, it starts with, with which letter? A, B, C, D, 
G. Oh, okay, G. Uh, what about Giacomo? What about uh, Giorgio? Yes, Giorgio. Oh, Giorgio, Don Giorgio. So yeah, we have a priest called Giorgio. That's the way they were framing you, you know? Mm-hmm. Do we have a guy with who's called R with the, with the R? Okay, let's see. Robert, you know, Richard, Ryan, or oh, Ryan, really. You know, that was the way. That, that's the way they did it. And we even covered tons of documents. And believe me, Ryan, it was is one of the, you know, to this day is one of the most absurd stories that I've ever heard and, you know, covered in my whole life. Wow. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, I, sorry no. I'm, I'm very passionate about this. Story. Oh, it's, you've done a great job of setting this up for me. So, I mean, it's, it's a tragedy um, on so many levels. So let me go, let's just go to one of the problems that I think society then and today has, which is when an accusation is made of sexual abuse, whether it's um, a adult child or maybe a, a rape, a man or a woman, um, society has struggled on how to handle these issues properly, right? So sometimes we've seen scandals where there was evidence of uh, sexual abuse and, and then they're covered up. Um, and then other times where this is the other extreme where there's no real evidence and it's you know, just cast down upon everyone. And, and there's people that are guilt, uh, presumed guilty that aren't. You have studied these cases. Give us advice on how we should think about evaluating these stories, because you don't never, you never want to be on the side of a kid sexually abused and you diminish it. However, you don't want to go to this either. So how do you balance out when we hear these stories the proper that, protocols in place? That's a great question, Ryan. Um, I've covered all sorts of cases. I've covered many sexual abuse cases, uh, especially uh, within the church. Um, so I have seen both sides of the spectrum, mm. you know. Now, you know, we are journalists, so... We are not really experts on how you talk to somebody in technical terms. Mm. But what I've learned is like from this experience is that, you know, sometimes you want the story to be like that. Either if you are a journalist or a psychologist or a policeman or a prosecutor or a judge, you just like the story to be like that because it fits your narrative, your culture, your, you know, your experience, your whatever, your your working professional experience, whatever. So, you know, a child comes to you and says, you have to see, because you see, like, uh, you can't just go to a child who has never talked about sexual abuses and who is not there for, for that, but maybe because only because he has a learning disability or some, or because he comes from a poor family where the, 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 the father beats his mother up. Okay, now suppose you get a child like that who comes to you, and you are a psychologist working for a public um, uh, institution. You can't just say, "Hey, listen, um, did your father ever, you know, touch you down there?" Especially if it's a young boy, very, very, very little boy, four or five years old, because the the boy will, will might actually say yes, and he might say yes for a thousand reasons. Yeah, you know, he was washing me, he was putting my, uh, he was helping me to dress up, 
you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, he was helping me where when I had a bath and my mother too. And, you know, there is a million of ways you could interpret it. Okay, but like, did he, did he touch you in a sexual way? I mean, all these questions, you have to be really careful. There are international guidelines, you know, that say children, especially children, should be interviewed in this way. Open questions. Don't ever give an answer inside a question. Don't ever make it a yes or no question, but just ask open questions. Oh, my father hurt me. Okay, I mean, it could mean anything. It could mean that your father was uh, slapping you, but it doesn't necessarily mean he was a sexual uh, predator, you know, which is a completely right. different sport, right? Mm. So, uh, okay, so so what so the, the 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 first question should be okay tell me what happened and then what happened mm -hmm. and then what else happened you know just give open questions well these psychologists and and you know my investigation came out in 2017 and it became a very popular podcast called Beleno, uh, which then also became a series in amazon prime i think you can watch it in amazon prime with subtitles okay uh, and, and, and you know, and that in the book, all the lies that uh, they, they they didn't tell. Now, when this investigation came out, I got called by the police of another town that were investigating a similar case twenty years later, and they said, "Listen, your podcast gave us insight on this case because we had never heard of this thing ever. I mean, it wasn't something. It's not like it's not something like." judges know or or prosecutors necessarily know or the police know they know about murders you know crimes you know mm -hmm. the, the usual stuff but this is really weird like uh, false memories and you know uh, suggesting that you've been sexually abused and, and and these sorts of things and there was another case and and in that case they put microphones underneath the psychologists desks and they recorded them and man let me tell you the questions that they were asking to these children who were there for other things were unbelievably uh, crazy. I mean, they would ask, like, to, to a girl, uh, "How was your How was your daddy?" Yeah, he was okay. What about sex? What about sex? Sex? What about sex? All the time they were asking, "What about sex? Did he Did he touch you? Did Did he show you his penis?" What kind of question is that? Did he show you his penis? Yes, uh, of course. May he may you know maybe he came out of the shower. Right. Maybe he was just naked because he was getting changed. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. But you see, there is all these nuances, and so many children have been taken all over all over the world have been taken away on these bases that you know some uh, somebody who had uh, twisted mind, twisted psychologist, etc. They would. From day one, they would, um, in a way, um, change the course of the story, adapt the course of the story to their own narrative. And that, that is obviously what kills the case. Because whether this child has been abused or not, you know, you're never going to know the truth. And, and, you know, but these people think, these organizations... And, and some of the players who were involved in my story belong to this organization. They believe that uh, the number of children abused by their parents, by their families, is so much higher 
than we actually know, which might actually be true. But it's very dangerous to set on a journey to find out unless the child hasn't said something to you or unless there is some evidence that says, you know, he might have been abused because it's really tricky. That's the thing, you know, you can't just say, okay, let's, let's fight pedophiles. Okay. Yeah. Let's fight pedophiles. Of course I have kids. I mean, there shouldn't be pedophiles, but you know, I can't live in a society where me or you could be targeted just because my daughter has drawn a ghost on a piece of paper, you know how you draw a ghost. You look, you know, like like how kids draw a ghost, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the psychologist says, "Oh, that's a, that's their father' penis." Wow, this is actually what happened to a friend of mine. Well, I mean, a girl that I that I met uh, who didn't belong to this case, but to a similar case, not very far away. She was taken away from the family because she drew a ghost, and the psychologist said, "Oh, you know, that's." your father penis right there taken away they didn't see her for 10 years then the family managed to find her uh and just by only by chance they managed to 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 see her and talk to her and she's back with the family but you know they've lost 10 years of their life and and you know it can happen it can happen to a lot of people a lot of people get framed a lot of pedophiles don't get caught mm-hmm. that's for sure because you know, you ne- you, you, you're not always going to have physical evidence of a sexual abuse, unfortunately. Uh, it doesn't necessarily leave marks on the body, but it leaves marks on, on, on the psyche, but not on the body. Uh, so unfortunately, not many pedophiles can be um, uh, caught or framed. But at the same time, you can't have situations like that where kids, you know, I've been talking to a psychiatrist, very famous psychiatrist here in, in Italy. He said, he said, listen, if you are a victim, if you are a child and you are a victim of a sexual abuse, it's incredibly painful, incredibly hard, but you could eventually, uh, I wouldn't say get over it, but you could live with it. In the case of uh, a sexual abuse that has been imagined, it might be, be even worse because that leaves a ghost in you and you always lose with the ghost. Yeah, so, because in, in, in the instance where it's real, um, there is legal ways to go to seek justice and to get justice and that obviously... Um, might not 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 fix everything, of course, but but there is a kind of a pursuit. But if you've been tricked into thinking that something happened that didn't happen, th- then there's and there's ultimately like in these cases you're talking about, well, there's no charges being pressed now. There's there's no one seeking justice because there's no justice to be had. But in your mind, you believe that these things happen, and so how do you ever overcome that? You don't. You actually don't because. Very often, you know, these um, imagined sort of sexual abuses uh, have a lot of horrible stories, uh, fantasy stories, weird stories, absurd, extreme stories connected to it. So you might actually think that you have murdered people in the cemeteries as you were a little kid. And you have the memory of that. You know, you might have the memory of you holding a knife 
it, you know, if you get into that, if you look into that, you know, and you start asking questions, they might, you know, they might give you very foggy answers because it's something they have imagined, not lived. But even there, you know, memory is so tricky. So it could be the other way around too. So, I mean, uh, it really messes up with your brain and uh, and, it, and it's even worse. Uh, it could be even worse. I mean, some of these kids, again, still today, they would say that I am, uh, that I did, that I didn't do my job well, that I didn't listen to them. Somebody said that I am the, fr I'm a friend of the pedophiles, that I think, you know, pedophiles uh, should be justified. Um, you know, all sorts of things, because there is an ideology behind that. Uh, like any uh, conspiracy theories, even uh, satanic sects have a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, satanic sects, satanic pedophiles. So it's just, you know, so it's, uh, there's plenty, there's conspiracies for everybody in this world. And, uh, and many professionals believe in these conspiracies and then therefore carry out methods that, uh, that are dangerous because this, you know, this happens when you, the memory is very fragile. You have to be very careful. You have to, you know, you can't just take it and squeeze it and mm. ask for answer. It doesn't work like that. You're going to break it. You're going to damage it at some point. You know, we don't have a photographic memory. We have false memories all the time. Like I was asking my wife today, I said, do you know, do you remember when we, when we first met? And she had a different, like, we, we met in front of a library uh, in 1999, 24 September 1999. So we recently celebrated our 23rd uh, anniversary. And I said, do you remember how we met? And she remembered the details in, in a very different way. Mm. You know, she said, yeah, you know, I was sitting there and you got close. And I said, no, I wasn't, you weren't sitting there. You were coming towards me and I went, you know, and I shook your hand. She said, really? But I don't remember that. So you see, like, we have lived the same experience together, and it's been a meaningful experience. It wasn't just like, hey, how's it going? But it was like the first time we met. So it's something right. that should stick in your memory. And it's not the same. Mm. It's two different versions. So you see memory, and, and this is where I think, you know, whatever you think of her work, but that's where I, where I think that Elizabeth Loftus has opened a new... Uh, a, a gateway to a new field of research. Mm. Um, yeah. And so I came across Elizabeth Loftus. Um, I was doing some podcast prep for a guest by the name of um, John Ziegler, who covered the Jerry Sandusky trial uh, in the U S and that is a case where a bunch of young boys uh, accuse a older gentleman of sexual abuse. And I remember the story when it happened in the U S I remember my outrage and all that stuff. And, Ziegler argues that it's basically all hogwash. And I'm not sure if I'm prepared to go that far or not. I think he brings up enough things that are problematic with the, um, with the case that at least Sandusky should get a, a retrial. But listening to Loftus, because he interviews her on that, it, it's, quite, it's quite apparent that whether or not you agree how far she goes with the repressed memory therapy stuff um, or not, her point, though, to your point about the memory, if you in your... Your, your wife were to talk about meeting every day, uh, your, your first meeting every day, y'all would have a very good, vivid, clear memory of it. Um, and if you don't talk about it every few years, then yes, it can get a little fuzzy. And so when you start asking people about certain things and then you 
pounded into their head over and over and over and over and over about it. It becomes a very vivid and real experience that becomes hard to separate. And one of the questions I asked her was, can you trick people with photographic memories? And she said, yes, which is crazy because they they should be immune to it and you can trick them. And so it's like, oh my goodness, if they can be tricked, then someone should tell you, you should tell you about the uh, experiment she did in a supermarket. Uh, It's called Lost in the Mall. Lost Mm. in the Mall. She basically was um, telling a group of people, do you remember when you were five years old and you got lost in the mall? Oh, yeah. And your mother couldn't find you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a big drama, yada, yada, yada. And some of them uh, first, you know, said no. And then she asked it again and then again. and, And they would say yes. And they would make up a story which at that point was very hard to remove from the brain because Mm -hmm. in the meantime, the brain had actually made it. Mm -hmm. So it was there. It's like, you know, it's in, it's in the landscape. You can't just remove it and you know, yeah. Okay. You might, you might try and remove it, but the stain will remain there Mm -hmm. and the doubt will remain there. Have I actually lived this, you know? Right. Right. So that's how, that's how she proved that of course, uh, 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 memory works like that. And uh, thank God, you know, now there is a culture now, you know, we, you know, especially in Italy, after this case came out, everybody has been talking about it. Everybody is very careful. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen anymore, but, you know, people are more careful. People are more aware. Um, there has been a, a series on Amazon. There has been a book. There has been a podcast. There has been a famous case. And, you know, 26 people were arrested mm-hmm. uh, this case I was telling you about. There's going to be another. I was called the other day. There's a new case coming up in the next few weeks, probably um, happening in the next few weeks in another town in, in Italy. You know, we we learned that in advance, but apparently there's going to be people who are going to face either jail or stuff like that. So this didn't happen before. Like, uh, uh, so, you know, at least it helped creating a common ground I've had so many students of psychology, um, law, journalism, um, uh, social uh, social sciences, asking me, you know, I want to do my dissertation. I want to do my thesis on that. So please, can you send me the documents? Tens and tens and tens of young students asking me for, you know, asking me to help them. And I al- always help them because I think, you know, uh, it, it should stay, there should be a literature and, and it has become a literature. And that's what I'm really proud of, you know, that, you know, if your job is a little bit useful, uh, we've, we've uh, reconnected some, some of these children with their families. Mm-hmm. And that was really satisfying, you know, some mm-hmm. fathers who hadn't seen their, their kids. And now we, in, I made, I was the intermediary, not because I was a fan of the father. I was. I always wanted to be a journalist and be independent. But, you know, when I talked to the kids, they said, what do you think about my father? I said, listen, I can give you my opinion, you know, but you have to go and look for yourself. Right. Um, but I suggest you should go and talk to him, you know, and listen to his side of the story. And uh, and some of them uh, reconnected and it was amazing, you know, and even Dario, the, the first boy that was taken away and then that endured so many difficulties uh years later uh he was paranoid he was was, you know he grew up many of these kids grew up thinking that they were they were being followed all the time 
there were satanic cults following them all the time that uh, you know they they all knew when they were going to turn 18 so they they would look for them and 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 kidnap them and and eventually kill them so they had all these paranoias uh, but now, you know, we helped him and, you know, he has a girlfriend and he doesn't live with his foster mother anymore. He's he has a job. So, you know, we try I tried uh, to to do my best in some cases to help these people, because you can't just, you know, tell a story and go, you know, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, you're human. You're a human being before right. uh, you know, a journalist or whatever, an author. So. Uh, so we tried our best, and and in some cases we managed to reconnect families. Uh, some other mothers never got the chance to see their kids again, and that's sad. But uh, you know, uh, and 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 there's no compensation, there's no retrial, nothing, wow. nothing is ever going to happen for these people. It's just injustice with capital I. You know, it's just it's too late. You know, you you, you can't. You know, too many years have passed. There, 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 there is nothing that has ever happened before in in uh, in the legal world. So, you know, you can't even say, oh, but you know, in 1996 we had this sentence and blah. blah. You, you don't have these kind of things. So, well, at least we can do the know, one thing, we, which is to talk about it and to make people aware. And so, when 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 something similar happens, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking um, about all the people who could have spoke up and and done something and just. Um, not trying to diminish an accusation, but also making sure that if the accusation is, hey, they were there at four o'clock on Thursday in the, in the cemetery, and you're like, well, I don't know about anything else, but I do know I was at the cemetery at four o'clock on Thursday and no one was there. And so um, getting people to realize that sometimes, you know, the brave thing is to actually speak up um, and to give what you saw or what you didn't see um, to make sure that justice is done. And that's uncomfortable. And that's something that society we have to do because we won't, we don't want pedophiles. I have four kids. I don't want pedophiles running around. You know, that's a, that's a big concern. Um, yeah. But I also don't want people, kids taken from them either. That's also a big concern. And so we want to make sure that as, as society, whether it's in Italy or US or wherever, that, you know, if we can play a role, we're, we're, we're serving with honesty and integrity because um, final thing I'll say about the memory stuff is, uh, while I agree with Dr. Uh, Loftus on some, on, some of her, uh, on some of her memory stuff, the other thing I think is, is that people, when they're fearful, they justify why they did stuff to deny the fact that they were afraid. And so they will yeah. do an action. And then later on, you say, why did you do that? And instead of saying that we did this because we were scared or we were afraid, they give another explanation that sounds logical to them. And so they deny the fact that they were actually afraid of why they did stuff. And that creates a whole different set of um, parameters. And I'm not a psychologist. So I can't prove that, but it's just personal experience. I've seen people do stuff that they're afraid. You say, why did you do that? And they'll give you an explanation. And it wasn't because I was afraid. It's because something else. It's like, well, yeah, well, you're, you're just, just say you're scared. We've all done something because we're scared. So anyways, okay. Let's I, can, to, can, I, can I just, yes, can I just yes, recommend yes. to your listeners, to your, to your listeners, a podcast Yes, uh, that it's called um, Conviction Season 2, American Panic. Conviction Season 2, American Panic. You find it on Spotify okay. or whatever. And uh, it's really good. And it's basically very, 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 very similar story uh, that happened in the U.S. So you guys, you know, if you want to uh, dig deeper into this. Mm-hmm that story i mean there's that's that's a story that's really well done so uh yeah just wanted to 
And sure. of course, you know, if they search for Satanic Panic on Spotify, they'll, they'll find a lot of podcasts because it's a topic that has been discussed for, uh, you know, uh, many, many times. Okay. So with that being said, we'll link to obviously where to get the book um, and Amazon. It's also on audio, audio, Audible. And if you're Kindle Unlimited, you can get them both for Kindle Unlimited for, for free. And so there, there's an option there. Uh, we'll link to your Twitter. Um, we'll link to these podcasts that we mentioned. Where else do you want us to send people to? No, that's fine. I have, um, you know, uh, Instagram uh, or uh, I have an Instagram. You, you mean, you mean the, which account uh, you wanted to? Yeah, do you have a website? Where do you, like, if people want oh. to find more, where do you want to send them to? Um, I mean, you, they can go to my Instagram profile, Pablo Trincha, P-A-B-L-O-T-R-I-N-C-I-A. And, you know, uh, they'll find a link if they want to buy the book on Amazon. But uh, unfortunately, the podcast we did was in was in Italian, so you know I don't think there's going to be many listeners. But uh, in uh, uh, but if you Google veleno v e l e n o, which means venom in English, veleno is a series. It should be available on Amazon on Amazon Prime US at this point because I think there has been it has been subbed. Yes, it's and that's there. where you I can see. Ah, oh, you found it. Okay, that's that's a story in five episodes. I was not the one who did it. It was a great guy called Hugo Hugo Berkeley, but it's inspired from the podcast and there is a whole story. And, uh, you know, you can see all the faces, all the places and, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll link to all of that in the show notes for the listeners to go check out. So Pablo, thank you for your time and just telling this crazy, crazy story. And hopefully um, stories like these become something of the past, not of the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right. Okay. If you're like me, that podcast blew your mind. It's crazy. It's insane. And it's true. Very scary stuff. <laughs> okay. Warroommedia.com is where the show notes are at. Go sure to, be sure to check them out and we will talk to you tomorrow.